Hi there, and welcome to this week's broadcasts of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we begin the week, we turn our attention back to having church on purpose. Join us. Having church on purpose. It's a message we began last Friday, taking a look at just exactly what church is all about. First and foremost, seeking and saving that which was lost. Now today, we pick up where we left off in Ephesians chapter 4. Once we're saved, what takes place? Well, we are to be about equipping the saints. Equipping to what and how we are equipped is the subject of our time today. So please join us and be encouraged as you seek to understand what it means to be equipped to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. After we see them saved, we want to equip them. What do we want to equip them to do? Drink coffee? Equip them for what? Look at Ephesians 4. Just look there at Philippians. Now look at Ephesians 4. Uh, that The equipping ministry. What's this about? Jesus gave gifts to the church when he ascended. This was coming out of the Roman tradition that the conquering general, when he went back to Rome down the Appian Way, he would bring the prisoners chained And then he would bring all these gifts for the emperor. So he's bringing these slaves, chained, conquered people. And that's where 2 Corinthians 2 said, when they were burning the incense, it smelled like death if you were a slave because you were headed for the arena to be killed by the gladiators. So everything you smell was death. But to those who won and the victors They'd inhale that same incense and said, it smells wonderful. We won. But when you got to the end of that Appian Way, that general could go before the emperor and start laying at his feet all the gifts from the war, all the booty from the prize. Here it is. Here it is. Ephesians 4 said, when Christ ascended on a high as a result of his death and resurrection, guess what he said he's going to do? I want my church to know I'm victor. I'm going to give gifts to the church. And my gifts will be gifted men to equip my church. I want to give apostles. I want to give prophets. I want to give evangelists. I want to give pastors. I want to give teachers. And it's going to benefit my people. And it will be the exercise of my kingly reign that I conquered death and the grave, and I've given gifts to my people. So these men have been given apostles, 12 of them, prophets, New Testament prophets, evangelists, ahead of pastors. You've got to have the evangelists before you have anyone to pastor. Somebody's got to win people to Christ. Then pastors. Some make this pastor-teacher's One man doing both. One thing about it, you can be a teacher and not be a pastor. And he he lists the teacher by itself in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. But a pastor must teach, but pastoring is distinct from just a straight teacher. But 
They've got to be some way shepherd while you're teaching. Now, what will be the effect of these gifted men unleashed from the church? What does he want to accomplish? Notice my job as a pastor teacher. I want to follow this right here. First of all, equip the saints. Well, that's, that's nice. What does that mean? Well, let's say these 30 to 40 people got saved, sure enough, last week. They really get saved. It's amazing how much baggage you bring into the Christian life. How many bad patterns, bad ways of thinking, family system, all of that. And you may come into uh, the family of God broken, uh, broken home, uh, addicted to drugs, alcohol, all of that. Even when you come out of that, you're trying to pick up the pieces. This word here for equip literally meant to uh, mend or to make functional. And it was used as setting a broken bone. It was a medical term. But it was also used in Matthew 4 of mending nets. The idea is the net no longer functions as it was designed. The broken leg says the leg no longer functions as it was designed. It was made to bear weight, but it can't as long as it's broken. And it's amazing how much uh, mending, setting broken bones you have to give to a local congregation as they go through life, through uh, conflict, with children, job, marriage, finance, health, all the different winds of a life, and you're trying to mend people, put them back together, mend the net so it can function. When it's equipped, it does something. It's equipped to minister works of service to the body. It starts contributing in service to the body of Christ. You know why many of you don't function? You're still broken. You've never, you've never been, the bones haven't been, you're still mad at the last church. You're, you're, you're still fussing with your wife. You've never forgiven her. It only happened 10 years ago. I had a woman right in the middle of the aisle. She said, I, I can't let it go. I can't let it go. I can't let it go. And I said, what, what is it? What is it you can't let go? I can't forgive my father. I said, you must. You must. Call him. She said, I can't. He's been dead for years. I said, you're going to remain broken, bitter, dysfunctional, because you won't forgive a man that's already in the grave? And you're still, you're all, you're being buried upside the grave. We're losing you. You got to be mended. And the mended are those that are able to render service in the body. The third thing is they build up the body. The body builds up itself. Not a few men on the platform, not clergy. The body of Christ. He's talking about a plural. The, the body. If you're in the body. Then he says there's six things that show up in the body when they're equipped, when they're functioning. Six things. Ask yourself. Unity of the faith. 
That means this. You come to a greater knowledge of the faith so that you know what God has revealed about the Word of God and what we ought to believe. We may not agree on everything, but we ought to agree on most. Because you come to see the unity, the oneness. There's not ten faiths, there's one faith. Have you grown in your knowledge of the Lord? Uh, I notice people that haven't grown, they can always disagree, but they don't know what our unity is based on. And he said in chapter 4, keep the unity of the faith. Well, if you don't know the faith, you couldn't keep it. So he said, maturity, you start growing in the faith. You know what? I'd be afraid to give most of you a Bible quiz. If I said, give me one verse that identifies the deity of Christ, what would you give me? If I asked you, give me one verse that tells you how to be saved. One verse. Uh, Tell me uh, one verse that tells you what the Bible's sufficient to do. Give me one verse for why you ought to get a divorce. One verse for the basis of your moral behavior. Why should you have moral behavior when we're about to legalize marijuana and we're already legalizing everything else? Our morals today are no morals. So, you got a verse for what you're doing, or are you just a weirdo? Or you say, I'm marching to the orders of Scripture. Well, it goes on. Uh, you come to an experiential knowledge of Christ. Uh, he says that as you grow, you come to this unity of the faith and the experiential knowledge, this word of the Son of God. Uh, has it gotten beyond just right doctrine or right concepts? To I've experienced it for myself. The purpose, according to John 17, 3 of eternal life, is that we might experience Jesus Christ. 17, 3 of John. So, experiential. Do any of you know him experientially? Or is he always out there? Some concept you're debating. Some concept. You see... I don't know just a bunch of stats about my wife. How tall she is, what color her eyes are, what color is I sure don't know her weight. She'd kill me. And if I told you, pray for an early demise. <laughs> I know a lot of factual things about her. Does that mean I know her based on that stat sheet? 50 years dating and married to the same woman, and you think I need a stat sheet? Some of you, God is still just out here. You don't know him for yourself. You may not be saved. My father used to sing a song, God's promises are true. Oh, yes, God's promises are true. I've trusted and tested and tried them. And I know God's promises are true. I've trusted, tested, and tried them. That's how you experientially know. You try them. You try them. The reason some of you never talk about experience is you don't have any. 
That's where I wouldn't trust a salvation I hadn't experienced. It comes by faith, but it kicks over something in your heart that will unmistakably know I'm now his. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Three, you become like Christ in maturity. Don't try to be like the pastor. Try to be like Christ. Your pastors have got to become like Christ too. Uh, you become established in the truth. You're no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I tell you, the unestablished believer is just thrown everywhere. You just got to be established. You learn to maintain the truth in love. And you learn to mutually edify the body of Christ as every member is functioning. That's what the pastors are supposed to be doing. Besides evangelism, we ought to be equipping you to function, to function. Now, we have a ministry, we, we just call this enfolding ministry. What it really is, is how do you care, uh, get your arms around a thousand people? How can we care for you? You come up and see me after the service and say, uh, remember me. And as you leave, I say, what was her name? We do it through small group Bible studies. We do it through membership. We love, if we could, to get all of you in a small enough Bible study where they'd miss you if you weren't there. That they know your name. That, that they could pray for you. They could bear one. So we do it through small groups, through membership. Uh, Timothy, wow. Our smaller Bible study. This is celebration. This is vertical. It's probably not the easiest place to get to know everybody. Unless you hang out the donut cart, you'll get to know them and, and push them away. Uh, so that, you know, we want to enfold you because we don't want to be just large or whatever. I grew up in small churches all my life. If you ran over 200, you were busting all the records. Anybody grow up in a small church? I grew up in a small church. And so this is the biggest thing I've ever been a part of. And what's hard about it, I could preach to all of you, but the pastor dies in me since I can't know all of you. And that's what I dread. I don't know all of you. And maybe some of you, I don't. Well, uh, who, uh, yeah. Uh, but, but I'd like to know the flock. But Ritualists used to always say, it's insane for you to think you're going to keep knowing everybody. And that has happened. He said, you'll do well to keep up with your deacons, elders, and staff. And that right now is about 70 people. That's a mini congregation. Uh, finally, enlistment. We've got a place back here. We've got a union hall in this church. That in a larger church, you'll say there's nothing to do. Uh, every base is covered. Uh, they don't need anything because you don't know the needs. And so uh, we had uh, Suzette Zaragoza started. We had uh, Lori Severa oversaw it for a while. Now Suzette's back. You go back here and uh, you say, God's speaking to my heart. I'm available. I'm new to this assembly. It's a large church. Do you need Sunday school workers? Do you need this? Do you do that? Do you? You know, just don't apply to be a pastor. We'd appreciate that. Uh, that's covered for now. Can I get involved? Can I get my hands? Or do I just have to be preached to all the time? And there's nothing I can be entrusted with. No. You go there. Give us a profile. They'll interview you. Want to know if you have become a member. Try to find out where God used you. We want you on the team. 
We want you on, we want God to use you like we hope he's using us. All of us. There's something for you to do in the body. And so, if anyone asks you, uh, what's your vision? Uh, what's your, what are you about? 1988, I was at the Rio Theater. We, we had thought we were going to get Garrison School. Our church put all kinds of sweat labor in that school. We painted it. We carpeted it. Boy, our people worked. They gave us seven months free rent. We worked so much. Well, we thought, good, our space problem has ended. We were in Holy Ghost Hall for 13 years and all over town, renting buildings. We get there at Garrison School. We're home. Good. About two and a half years later, the school district says, we want the school back. You want the school back? No, no, we finally can grow. We, we've got facilities. We, we busted ourselves to get this place up to you know, par. No, we want it back. The only building in town was the Rio Theater. Anybody remember the Rio? These are the people with frostbitten hands. Because that place froze in the winter cooked in the summer. They installed a heater, and when the heater went on, you couldn't hear me preach. And so the saints always wanted more heat. And uh, it was a trade-off because the heater was so loud. Terrible, terrible. I called it the armpit. It was terrible. Others say, how can you say that God was with you? Yes, he was, but it's a terrible place. Man, it was terrible. Malcolm Lee told me one day, I don't mind working in the ghetto. I just hate to go to church in it. And I said, this is the best we can do. We didn't have this property. Uh, Our future was bleak. We had money and a building program, but no property, no future, no whatever. So I ran out, run out, gone through different things, run out of any future in me. I, I thought, I've reached all my goals. I've gone as far as I can go. Uh, I'm going to pack it and get out of here. I met with Howie Hendricks and told him what I was going through, and we had a talk. And then I was reading Numbers 13 and 14 about the 12 spies that spied out Canaan. As I read that, the Lord spoke to my heart, I'm going to give you 40 days to figure out why you're still at this church. And if you don't figure it out in 40 days, you must resign. I told the board that. I said, if I have no more reason for being here than just holding on, I said, I'll resign in 40 days. I said, pray with me that God would give us all, why are we here? What are we trying to do? Well, within that 40 days, I went back to them and I said, this is God's purpose for his church. He wants us to worship his son. If we all exalt him, I can die for that. He wants us to evangelize lost teenagers, lost children, lost adults. I'm not a good evangelist, but I could pour my life. That is God's priority. I don't care if I like it or not. That's what he said. If we can equip people, if we can enfold them to care for them the best we can, You know, it's a serious thing when Jesus asks you to take care of his children. It was always hard 
for us to get babysitters. Because when you turn your kids over to a babysitter, they better be whole when you come home. And Jesus has turned his church over to babysitters. They're called elders, pastors, and gifted men. And we've got to give an account someday for how we treat the children. And you'll give an account for how you treated us. Hebrews 13, 17. If you don't submit and follow us, he'll deal with you. But if I don't treat you right and try to lead you where he wants, he'll deal with me. It's two ways. Then we want to enlist you in service. I said, men, I'm willing to die for those five E's. And that's why I resigned and been with you another 24 years. Because I'm living on purpose. Don't always go. Sometimes when we first started out, we had no one to do the E's. We had no one to, the only E we had was equip, and that was me. And so guess where we are? We exist to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ since we see him as the head of the church. We exist to make him known to the unsaved, hell-destined people of this earth. We exist to equip those that he saves. We exist to enfold people in the caring ministry of the body of Christ. And we will do our best to enlist you in service so you can serve until you see Jesus face to face. That is why we exist. That is what, if anyone asks you, what's your vision? That's my vision. That's why I'm here. I'm not looking for any other fancy logo. That's it. That's it for me. That's why I exist. I think it's why Christ gave us the church. Father, I thank you that your purposes for the church are clear. And many churches are so confused. They're in a wilderness. They're trying to be this. They're trying to be that. They're trying to be this or that. And every individual says, I want this, I want that. Jesus, Jesus, get what you want out of this local church. We want to be what the holder of the lampstand wants us to be. Knowing that only you furnish the oil. Knowing that only you are the one that can keep us burning. And you can also blow us out. Lord Jesus, the church is yours. I don't even own this church. I'm just a member. I'm just a passing mortal that's running towards eternity quicker than I can imagine. What will another generation do as one passes away? Will they want your purposes? Will they live for your purposes? Oh, Father, help us to obey you, not to talk about you, not to be a lot of talk, Let us just obey you for the glory and the honor of the risen head of the church. And the church said, Amen. And that will conclude our time today here on Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. As we close out our broadcast, we would invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church and 
we would also invite you to stop by our website and take advantage of added resource materials we've made available through this ministry. You see, as we come to you on a daily basis, it's our hope and desire that you grow in Christ, that you find yourself sustained by His grace through the teaching and preaching of His Word. Along those lines, we've created Truth For Today Radio, which is a website that contains a lot of other extracurricular resource materials that you can add to your relationship with Christ as you seek to grow in Him. We also have information about who we are, what we believe, and worship opportunities at Valley Bible Church, where this broadcast originates, here in Hercules. We have directions, we have service times, all of it. It's available at truthfortodayradio.org. If you would like to contact us by phone, you're welcome to do so at 855-833-9864. Again, that's 855-833-9864. As always, you're welcome to write to us. The address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. We would also ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us, and not just prayerfully, but financially as well, as this broadcast and the many resource materials available along with it are available as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. Our goal and desire is to minister to the greater Bay Area, and we can do that more and more as you link arms with us, again, financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large. And whether it's a one-time gift or monthly gift, it's all appreciated, and your prayers even more so. Reach us at truthfortodayradio.org or call 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 